Hello, everyone. Um, this is the Indian Diaspora Podcast, episode 23. I'm your host, Shashi, and I'm back here with my co-hosts, Vijay Vishwas and Neeraj. Uh, we're back here again for a fun session today to talk about the whole art and joy of queuing, uh, something that we've all been used to, but we've all had different experiences of that in, in India and elsewhere. So I hope you know, we're going to have a fun discussion uh, on this very, very interesting topic of queuing. <clears throat> It's worth saying that uh, before we start that the word queue is very often used in uh, the Queen's English, in English English, but it's actually less, used less in the US where it's line. And this became a topic of some discussion because um, when Barack Obama was here in the UK in, in I think, 2016, just before the Brexit vote, uh, he, there was a written statement from him that said if Britain wanted to be, uh, if Britain did Brexit and wanted a trade deal, with the US, it would be at the back of the queue. And that was taken to mean as somebody in Britain had read this, written that for him rather than him writing it himself. So there's even the topic of what the word actually means. But hey, we've all had a lot of experience of queuing in various contexts and very different contexts uh, as well. And, you know, some very orderly queues and some very disorderly queues. I think, generally speaking, growing up in India, our view was that most queues were very disorderly. So why don't we start with the disorderly queues first? Who wants to take us away on some uh, memories of disorderly queuing? Neeraj. <laughs> so, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't think it's called disorderly queue. It's just a queue and, uh, and how you define it. So the reason this topic came to my mind was that last uh, three months I've been to India three times. Um, I came to Delhi, came to Mumbai, and now came to Delhi airport. And every time I landed at the airport, it was a mad rush from the exit door of the plane to the immigration. And it didn't matter whether you were first in the whether you were the first to exit or the last to exit. What mattered was where you were in that line or queue when you reached the immigration desk. And my brain immediately went like, hey, we produce the most software engineers. We have the most uh, operations research people, and yet we have not figured out this process. So the interesting thing was, this time when I came to Delhi airport, I exactly knew which would be the shortest queue to get out of the immigration. I immediately went to there, and people are like, how did you know that? <laughs> so, so the concept of organized and disorganized is simply how you're used to it, but it's managing uh, the queue idea. But I'll tell you a, a funny incident here. Uh, I think most people who eat biscuits, Indian biscuits, know a place called Kayani Bakery in Pune. It's famous for its strawberry biscuit. So we go there and we were told that the queue would be extending blocks. We'll be going, you know, several kilometers for the thing. And I'm like, okay. So I get to the bakery. There's no queue. The whole counter is full of people just shouting out their orders and throwing the money and they're getting their bag of the biscuits back. So the people who were with me were not used to that concept of, and they asked me like, hey, you told me there would be a long queue. There'll be a long line. I said, this is the queue. And they were shocked by the idea of queue just being 20 people at the counter at the same time ordering the ordering the food. Uh, and com contrast that to like how we are used to doing things at say DMV or even at movie theaters in the United States. So, so it was kind of a funny recollection of 
how I got the biscuits at a bakery versus how we get a ticket at a movie ticket theater. <laughs> That's uh, well, I mean, I think that that experience of a queue means trying to find uh, a way to get get somebody's attention is quite familiar to all of us. I think it's you know another interesting anecdote about the word queue itself in the English language because it's the one word in which every letter after the first letter is actually useless uh, because the way it's it's pronounced is no different from the way you would pronounce the letter Q. So Q, U, E, U, E, the two UEs and UEs are absolutely useless. Uh, but Neeraj, uh, our childhood was also dominated by a very famous dialogue from the <laughs> inestimable Amitabh Bachchan about what queuing actually looked like. Hum jahan khade hote hain, line wahin se shuru ho jati hai. You know, wherever I stand, the queue starts right from there. And that was not surprisingly actually you know, a, a view of um, demonstrating power that many of us have been, um, have been used to, isn't it? <laughs> exactly and i'm gonna let others speak about that but that dialogue is such a is imprinted in almost every indian's memory right you know think of it it's what 45 years since that movie came out and uh it's a dialogue that all of us know i mean i, I doubt that there's anyone of our generation or indeed a bit older who would not know that dialogue that was such a famous dialogue uh vishwas you are in the thick of queuing all the time Tell us, uh, you know, does this look like everyday life for you? Yeah, actually, uh, I, uh, you know, I, I always try to put things into some kind of a pattern or try to find pattern and things. So, you know, going by that, uh, what I've seen is that uh, in, in India, usually, there are more than one queues. When there should be one queue, there there often end up being more than one. Uh, even if there is just one uh, service uh, point at the end, and uh, somehow you know, I am in, in uh, the queue. I am in is usually the one that is moving slower, and that is also a Murphy's law. And if if I change queues, then then the then the line I was in earlier or the queue I was in earlier starts moving faster. And then I have some of my own laws that you know I would add to these. Like uh, uh, when when I reach a place, there is no queue, and when a queue is formed, I'm usually in the second half of the queue. So somehow I have been on the at the receiving end of uh, queues, and and I think. Uh, uh, I, I'm sure, uh, you know, uh, if we do an analysis, that may not be the case. But somehow I have, uh, you know, always been left feeling that uh, I've been at the unfair end of the queue. So, Vishwas, I have to say, I have to intervene and say, so there's a bit of queuing theory here that we need to explain. You know, if you are in a queue and there's a queue to your left and a queue to your right, then assuming everything is equal, there's a one-third chance that any one of them is going to be faster. So if you're looking left and right, there's a two-thirds chance that one of those two queues is going to be faster than yours. And this is unfortunately at the heart of people's perception that they're always stuck in the slowest queue because there's always a higher probability that one of the two queues on either side of you is faster than you. And the second point that you made, which is that you know when you join uh, a queue, so there's another part of queuing theory, which is that once queues form, things slow down. And you may be joining the queue at a point where had there not been a queue, 
um, the throughput of whatever system that you are going through would have been enough to cater with the tra- to, to the traffic. So you are not the person causing the queue, but you are the person suffering its consequences. I had to say that. I used to teach this once upon a time, so I had to say that. But hey, it doesn't uh, doesn't doesn't improve our lives, does it? Yeah, and actually, this reminds me of the two things. Of course, you know when you're driving and you are driving in the slowest lane and you see a, another lane moving past and you just immediately jump into there and then you find out now you're behind yep. the car that was like behind you in the yep. lane you left. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. And, and you know, when, when they say like... you shouldn't be changing lanes, there's a point to it, but people are often very impatient. Vishwas? Yeah, I, I think, uh, Neeraj, I think Shashi is uh, giving us uh, uh, the, this uh, Q theory uh, knowledge it's like it's like uh, you know inoculation you you know it's going to be, you know this is how it works but it still pinches of course i, I think that you know, I mean, pinching it's, part it's, is the emotional part that doesn't go away no no pinching part is absolutely real you know and that's so this is what causes all the frustration vijay uh, let me bring you in yeah I, this is fascinating discussion and you know obviously it's been uh, quite an evolution for all of us growing up in India, then heading out to other parts of the world and seeing the concept of queuing. And I think queuing in general is something that's tied to the idea of patience, right? So uh, a <laughs> place to see this in action. I guess, Neeraj, you were talking about getting out of an aircraft, but as soon as the fastened seatbelt sign is off, what happens, it kind of gives you a sense of uh, how people feel in a certain culture of society. You know, everybody springs up and <laughs> some people even run down the aisle to try to get near the door before others mm-hmm. can get up. That kind of says, okay, maybe in this culture or this place, uh, people are more impatient. And I think it also, I I feel like it ties back to this idea of um, if you don't hustle, you're going to miss out on something because somebody else is going to be ahead of you and take care or get a better deal or something like that, right? And uh, we used to always worry about things like, you know, I I think all of you recall there are trains, super fast trains in India where they'll stop only for two minutes at a at a certain station and, you know, your family is getting all your suitcases lined up near the door and there are other families that are like, yeah, you'll get off, you know, when, when, when the station comes. So I think some of it is just about this idea that, you know, if I don't hustle, uh, I'm going to miss out. And maybe that's what is playing out. Uh, you see that in traffic where people don't give an inch. We lived in Bangalore for three years and we saw that in action where, you know, if everybody cooperated, um, you might have a actually better flow and, you know, queuing is just, I think, something similar to that. And those things have uh, actually have become kind of useless uh, when I go back to India in some ways because I've now gotten used to doing things a little differently after living in the U.S. Uh, I think one country that is really interesting to see in this is Japan. Uh, I When I first went to Japan, I was amazed to see that in the, on the railway stations, they had lines drawn on the platforms where depending on which train you were going to get onto, there was a number hanging above. And uh, even for the Shinkansen with the bullet train, this is where the door will show up. And here's the line for the people on the sides waiting to get in. And here's the section in the middle where people will get out before you get in. And literally people would line up and wait their turn. And that's a very different culture. So it varies. And, and uh, you know, uh, you can get called out for bad behavior really quickly if you don't adapt based on where you're so, Vijay, you know, can I just ask uh, all of you, <clears throat> you know, we talked many, many episodes ago about the scarcity mindset that we all grew up with and, you know, which sort of informs so much about India. Do you think this culture of not wanting to respect cues and cutting cues and hustling and all that stuff 
is a result of that scarcity mindset or is it something different i think there's some of that but there's also just size of population size of resource pool so yeah i guess it goes back to the idea of scarcity as you're saying but th- i think there's some of it is there right i think the idea that um if i don't get ahead in that queue or if i don't i i you know classic example is i may not get space to put my suitcase on top right <laughs> so you're kind of always fighting for that for that little bit but completely But, you know vijay you know on the point about railways and and japan and all that uh, you know one of the very interesting experiences i mean we talk about this in my my work uh, is actually hong kong so hong kong had a very similar culture to india no respect for queues always hustling always trying to get ahead of all, uh, and all that when they started the uh, <clears throat> the subway system the mtr in hong kong in 1974 there was a massive public education campaign that went with it to say you've got to let people out of the train first before you go in and all that stuff and it's incredible you know you find this um, queue cutting culture in hong kong in many environments but not in the metro i mean not in the mtr environment at all and i was really struck by that because when the delhi metro opened um which is going back 20 years uh, that public education campaign never happened and so you find this indiscipline of people trying to rush into the carriages just as people are getting out and that that culture of just waiting for a few seconds to have a more orderly um, exit and all that it just doesn't exist and, yeah. and, but again no go vijay go ahead you go ahead I'll, I'll... no just just to complete on that thought so i think going back to where you came to this from the scarcity point of view uh, if things work out right if people queue up and they get a seat or they get to stand comfortably because the thing is not really crowded maybe it leads to a different mindset than yeah. like in Mum- yeah, mumbai yeah. metro i mean it's reality right there's throngs of people it comes i mean it's amazing how often those trains come but there's still like thousands of people trying to get in yeah yeah it's the it's fear of losing out it's yeah. the fear of losing out which is why you're fighting your way to the front but on on that line you compare mumbai metro against mumbai local right so i've traveled both mumbai local and mumbai metro I, i'm not sure whether or not uh, but metro is exactly what we're talking about the fear of missing right the, the the scarcity mindset where everybody rushes into the metro before the people can even come out uh, not metro the local where the yeah. metro kind of behavior i'm not sure if the same crowd that travels in the both local and metros but it's completely opposite in metro they wait for the people to come out before they rush in now that gap may not be very convenient but it is still there compared to the locals now talking about the the rush so when people are boarding the plane right they're asking you to go by zone there's no way for you to skip the line but yeah. even once they get in they're always hustling to find a space to put their suitcase in and i can see the reason where people might want to break a queue in that uh, type of activity but coming out of the plane i never understood why because if if you've checked your luggage just because you are the first one to get out of the plane and reach the baggage claim you're not going to get your baggage first <laughs> exactly. right exactly. so i never understood what what's the rush to get out of the plane is what is leaving and what you're going to miss out and that has always you know i've tried to understood that contrast that with i, I don't know whether, which airport was that there was a flight that caught fire maybe it was like dubai airport where people were taking selfies and were trying yes. to take their staplers and their breakfast from the luggage before they get out of plane and i was like they're not in rush here like yeah. that was complete contrast to the concept <laughs> of getting out of the plane in an emergency versus in a non emergency situation 
You know, there's another side to this, which um, um, back in the days when I was studying public policy, this used to be a big thing, uh, that in many environments, even though you don't need a queue, you try to create a queue because of what's called an economics rent-seeking behavior, which is if there is a queue, then there'll be an incentive for people to cut the queue, and then you can actually charge some money for that. And uh, and we see that all the time, don't we? That people create artificial queues. I mean, you know, this happens with Christmas toys, for example, where they always produce these in short supply to make sure that there is always a, a higher demand for that, and there'll be you know people queuing around and all that stuff, and the mania that goes around with Apple issuing new devices and all that. Uh, so there is actually some of this is, you know, the kind of uh, psychological behavior that Vishwas was talking about. You know, people exploit it. Yeah. I think I want to I want to go back Shashi, also to what uh, uh, Neeraj just said around emergency situations because this brought an interesting um, book to mind that I read about a year or two ago. Uh, it's a book called The Unthinkable. It's about uh, who survives when disasters happen, like plane crashes and things. You know, nine eleven was an example when something completely out of the ordinary, extreme uh, situation happens, or a fire breaks out in a, in a building. How do people react and who are the people who survived by this author named Amanda Ripley? And, you know, it's created some really interesting uh, sort of contrasts, right? Places where people wait, like follow rules and wait for instructions, sometimes don't survive in these situations because they assume that, you know, the person in charge has got it under control and they're going to figure things out and tell us what to do and we're going to follow orderly process. And, you know, that sounds like a recipe, uh, you know, for, for success if everybody's disciplined and there are disaster plans in place and i'm wondering like if you had a similar situation where a bunch of people who just like play on instincts every man for himself every woman for herself how would that play out and maybe they'd be more entrepreneurial in figuring out this is something's wrong but then you're just saying something like uh well, they're taking selfies in an emergency situation maybe they didn't uh, they didn't interpret it correctly so it seems like there are some instincts here that we have from you know obviously our instincts are from learned behaviors in the wild I'm wondering what, what works well and, you know, are, are some of these things that actually happen, you know, in India and stuff actually good for survival? Well, I mean, it certainly shows that uh, you don't, you're not relying upon an order and authority to take charge. And uh, in an environment where there is a lack of order and authority, then that's probably a much better strategy. But, hey, just on the off chance that you might find, find yourself in that kind of situation, we make life for ourselves very difficult in every other situation, don't we? So I think there is this... Talk uh, a little bit. Sorry, Vishwas. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, concept that we may not be thinking about over here is, you know, the, called the tragedy of the commons, which is basically saying that, you know, any if there is a scarce resource, uh, it's it's in everyone's interest to, to use it uh, in, in some regulated manner. Uh, but it is in every individual's interest to try and maximize whatever they can grab out of it. Uh, I think uh, that is uh, a lot of times at play, uh, including in queues. And, and I think they will it will be correlated to some of the other uh, challenges that you may see uh, in, in a play. So, for example, uh, how environment-friendly is an is an Indian consumer on average, uh, or uh, what are uh, you, you know how 
much does our behavior correlate with what you would expect from a person who has a strong civic sense? As you would see, for example, in 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 some places and and not in others. So I think that how how we actually uh, behave in a queue would be pretty correlated to uh, how we behave in some other circumstances where the tragedy of the commons is is a is, is at play. You know, and that's a very good point, Vishwas. Because I mean, I think you know this is the point I was making uh, in response to uh, to Vijay earlier uh, that. <clears throat> the day-to-day loss of efficiency and friction that you create in society by not being orderly is enormous. I mean, we see the impact of that in India all the time, don't we? I mean, you see that in uh, day-to-day traffic, which you know you were mentioning earlier, that uh, if people had just a little bit more patience, life would be so much more uh, you know, sort of comforting for everyone. But everybody's in just that little bit of a rush, and that makes life very difficult. Neeraj? Yes, what I was going to add... Uh, uh, was going to ask or say was that you know part of the queuing also not only depends on the person who's getting in the queue but also what he's receiving at the other end right yeah yeah. when i'm getting on the plane i know i'm gonna get my seat i'm gonna find a place to put my luggage so i'm never in rush to get into the plane if my zone is called and i see there's a big crowd i actually wait and i know i'm getting a backpack i'm not in rush but for if i'm going to kiani bakery to get my biscuits (laughs) Yeah. Is a limited supply, right? Yeah. If I wait patiently, I might not even get the biscuits and I have to come next day or another time. So that behavior also depends on what am I receiving at the other end. Uh, another example, when I drove for the first time in India uh, after coming back from US and there was like, there was no stop signs. I was just coming out of a smaller road, getting to the bigger road and I stopped hoping to find enough space to move my car into it. And I literally waited for like 45, 60 seconds before I could move. And then it hit me. I'm never going to move. If I keep waiting for somebody to yield, mm. to let me in, I will not. So, so the behavior of my, my behavior immediately changed where in US, I would wait. Even if it takes 45 seconds, I know eventually I will get across, yeah. Road, yeah. across it. In India, I won't. If I keep waiting, I'll keep waiting. So, yeah. so the, as you know, uh, Vishwas is saying is the behavior is not simply driven by what the person in the queue is doing, but what he's expecting to get at the end. So I would patiently wait whether it's India or United States and uh, at the airport because the plane is not leaving without me when I'm standing there. But when I'm going to the movie theater or I'm going to the bakery or I'm going to some other place where I have to fight with the other people, I will do that. Right? Yeah. I'll break the queue. Yeah, you know, I mean, that uh, the fact that you are um, being forced to become aggressive like everyone else is basically a sign of a fact that there's a different equilibrium in place. And there's nothing you can do by yourself to, f- to change that. You know, it requires collective action. I have to say that, you know, my experience of, I mean, queuing is a very British tradition. I mean, the queues form, orderly queues form like literally everywhere. But people here complain about the fact that people are less orderly in queues than they used to be as well. You know, so it's not like, this is uh, purely an Indian phenomenon. I mean, frankly, I hear that in the past people would queue up at bus stops and all that. I don't see that happening anymore. In the underground, I think the uh, environment is much more confined, and so people have to be a bit more orderly in general. But, uh, but you know, you don't see that on buses at all. Um, but queuing is such a British tradition. You know, the idea was that 
if there were two British people anywhere, you know, there would be one behind the other because a queue had to form. Um, and you see that in most aspects of society. But can I just ask about something slightly different? You know, to the, the, the whole idea of queuing has gone from the real world into digital worlds as well, where for many things you have to queue up in, in some cases for, you know, for example, for buying concert tickets and there is a waiting room and all that. <laughs> Um, don't, don't the even with that. that is frustrating <laughs> yeah. and I had a heartburn trying to buy Taylor Swift tickets for our daughter I think that's what he does not want to discuss come on uh, let it out Vijay get tickets it's horrible <laughs> with all the stuff like with the free pass and you have a special room and if you log in at this instant you'll be in the queue and then you wait for three <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, and you know, and it's it's kind of soul destroying, isn't it? When you join the queue and they tell you, you know, your number is thirty nine thousand four hundred and sixty three, and you're not allowed to do anything from that point on. You can't disconnect your browser. You can't leave the place because you don't know how fast the queue is going to move. You know, forget about toilet breaks. Nothing. You just sit there in that queue. And in fact, in some respects, that is just as oppressive as the queue at Kayani Bakery, isn't it, Neeraj? Yeah, and 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 that is the point. So so when uh, and Vijay and I have similar experiences. We both didn't get the tickets, so we are waiting. And it says it it, it literally said that you are twenty. You didn't it didn't give us an exact number. It gave us a range. So when it came down to like you are now less than ten away, and you know our heart race is pumping, and I don't want the internet to flicker. I don't want electricity to flicker, and I'm just monitoring the browser. And suddenly says you're ready to go, and you enter your code, and it says your code is invalid. And that was the, that was the time when you say, you know, screw you. I'm just going to secondary market, and I'm yeah. going to buy it from secondary market. And I texted my daughter saying, I cannot get it. I'll buy it from secondary market. And she sends me a, like a heartbroken emoji, right, or something like that. And I'm, but you don't need so, it. But this is exactly the point I was making. That I think this may be very well by design. This is the rent-seeking behavior that I was talking about. Yep, yep. You create a queue. You create the disappointment. You know that you know it's not you that's buying the ticket. You're buying it for your daughter who really wants to go and see it. You don't want to disappoint her, and you will end up in the secondary market where they've made a lot more money. And and and, and just, by the way, that's also so. Forget the uh, concert tickets. Isn't that what the airlines do the same thing that you buy a priority pass, you buy their, you either get their credit card or you do loyalty program or you buy a priority boarding for like $25 extra, right? That is the whole, you know, revenue generating scheme of the queuing system. This is rent-seeking behavior in action. I mean, this is what, exactly what I was talking about. There's another but, but, thing uh, here. Uh, guys, so going Shashi. back. There's, yeah, there's, there's another thing here, Shashi. <clears throat> I think uh, in India, to some extent, and and uh, let me know if you disagree, there is also a perception of unfairness because uh, a number of times the people jumping the queue are not the people who have paid more. It is just that they are oh, in it's a connections. privileged position. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's connections and privilege. Yeah. So yeah. so if, if uh, I, as a person in the queue, am jumping the queue, that's me getting back at the system for being unfair. So I may not see that as, as, as a violation, but I see it as a violation when some other, someone else does it. No, absolutely. I think, and that's a good, very good point, Vishwas, because, you know, what you're saying there is that, you, you know, the thing that you're doing is not unusual. The only thing that's unusual about what you're doing is that you're doing it without the privilege, 
but everyone with the privilege and the power to do something right is doing the wrong thing. So what's wrong with you doing it? Vijay, sorry, we interrupted you. No, no. So what I wanted to actually go back to, uh, this is fine. So we were talking about when you have scarcity of resources or, you know, when you have a situation where uh, many people are trying to get to the same thing and try, they have to hustle. Well, that just the example that Neeraj and I just talked about with the concert bookings is, is that's in live in action now because now all of us are thinking, well, what are the side routes the next time I have to do this? I'm not going to stand like, you know, stupidly stand in the line like I did, uh, you know, with following all the rules. Are there other ways that I can get ahead? There are some hacks and tricks on the internet on how to trick the system, when to exactly push the button, how to get ahead. I mean, you're literally basically breaking the queue in other ways to get to that thing that you want. So it's going to happen. It, it all depends on how many people want the same thing. And mm. uh, that's really what's playing out even in the US, right? It's just... Mm. No, completely. I mean, and frankly, you know, it goes back to the point about rent-seeking behavior. You know, if somebody's trying to seek rent, then other people will try and seek to avoid paying that rent and try and find a way around it, including all these hacks and everything else. Uh any last thoughts, guys? I mean, this has been a fun discussion, but I mean, uh, any last thoughts? Is queuing a good thing or a bad thing? I think queuing is a great thing if the, uh, the person knows that by following the queue, the outcomes will be fair and good and they will you know, get what they're looking for. I think the queues break when people worry that, you know, after putting all that effort in, in the end, they may not, you know, after behaving well, they're still not getting what they, they should have rightfully got. And that's where I think all things break down. And I think that's just a matter of creating better systems, I guess, which uh, yeah. accommodates yeah. Uh, the yeah. demand and the people. Right? Yeah, creating an uh, expectation of fairness. Yeah, yeah, but I, but you know the we, we we read the thermodynamics laws, right? Entropy increases. I think Q is actually a process against the nature. And that's why I think they don't work. <laughs> <laughs> this is really good. <laughs> keep... yeah. So, so I think, but, but, but I am a personally a fan of cues because I know the expectation, what I'm going to get at the end. And sometimes the disappointment is part of that expectation. So I'm personally a fan of cues. Maybe it's because I've lived longer in the United States than I've lived in India. And I come to India every time I expect it and I mold my behavior depending on what, you know, as I said, what the service I'm expecting at the end. So I'm generally a fan of Q, this, 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 although I just joke about it in a different way. Of course. Vishwas? I think uh, Qs uh, make you feel that you have, you know, earned what is at the end by the time you get it, at, at least a number of times. Just the, just the... Uh, uh, it's not the fact that you have spent some time over there. It is the fact that you have gone through a queue experience makes you sort of, uh, uh, or, or at least might make you further uh, value yeah, v- the the, the thing that is at the end. As they say, you know, in uh, as they say in Hindi, "sabar ka fal mitha hota hai." You know, the the fruits of waiting are always very sweet. I'll just finish on one last thing, which is that, you know, cues become a lot easier if you have a coping strategy with them, right? You know, if you have a book in your hand or if you have music with you or if you have a friend with you or anything of that kind, it becomes a much easier experience. It's all very frustrating if you're all by them, by yourself focused on just one thing, which is the end product and stewing yourself away to, uh, to glory. 
Um, I think, guys, that's been a great discussion. Let's finish it there. <clears throat> to our listeners, uh, could I just remind you again, uh, if you could write us a review or rate our podcast, that would be fantastic. It allows us to be known a bit more widely. If you'd like to give us some feedback, uh, please do email us at the indiasporapodcast at gmail.com. Um, and we'd be very happy to listen to you and to um, and to respond to your requests for further podcasts in the future as well. But thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back here again next week with another episode of the Indian Diaspora podcast.